Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. We start today with a major development in the fight over four dams on the Lower Snake River. The Biden administration announced an agreement last month with four Northwest tribes, the states of Oregon and Washington, and the environmental law group Earth Justice. In return for a 10-year pause in long-standing litigation, the federal government has committed to fund salmon restoration projects and tribal clean energy projects. This could clear the pathway for the removal of the Lower Snake River dams. In just a bit, we're going to hear from the executive director of the Northwest Public Power Association, which objects to the agreement. But we start with one of the parties to it. Shannon Wheeler is the Nez Perce Tribal Chairman. Welcome to Think Out Loud. Well, I'm glad to be here. I appreciate this opportunity to be able to share with you our story. How long have you personally been engaged in legal battles over salmon and these dams? Well, the tribe's uh, first resolution in opposition uh, to our four breaching of the four lower Snake River Dam started in the 1990s. So we've been involved in it uh, since and uh so, yeah, uh, we're just uh, trying to fulfill our obligation to the salmon and to continue their existence. What has been driving you for that time for, you know, 30 plus years? What's at stake, in other words, in, in these legal battles? Well, for us, I think, you know, the, the existence of a species and, and the, the um, uh their uh, possible extinction uh, because of man, man-made uh, decisions that have uh, been made before any of us that are on this call or listening now that uh, have made those decisions. And so I think, you know, being able to uh, um, look at that and learn from that and move forward uh, in a positive direction that uh, on our watch, you know, this isn't going to happen and, and for us to make the necessary changes that uh, we can do now that uh, will ensure the the uh, a continu- continuation of the uh, species. What do you think made the difference now on, on the federal government's side? I mean, after fighting your suits for so long, why do you think they made the commitments that they did? Well, I think they understand that they're fellow executors of the rule of law, uh, which I believe that, you know, under the Constitution, uh, you know, judges are bound by that. And, you know, anything to the in the Constitution or laws of the state to the contrary, notwithstanding as well as, uh, you know, so they understand their obligation to what treaty actually means. And many times, you know, you hear you'll see uh, the judges that understand that and, and administrations that may or may not understand that commitment and, and you know, legislators that can certainly understand that they're committed by affirmation or oath uh, 
to to that same rule of law, the Constitution of the United States of America, and and that's where our treaty sits. So uh, that trust obligation and that uh, um, commitment to so from sovereign to sovereign is truly important to understand here of what this administration understands about that. And and many many times I don't believe stakeholders understand that you know what these treaties actually mean or the magnitude of of what they are not only here within the United States but globally as the United States has looked at uh, in its relationships to the native native tribes of this land. You know, you're getting this, but I, in case folks may not be familiar with with a relatively recent developments, the framework for this agreement comes from a document called the Columbia Basin Restoration Initiative, a roadmap that includes the Nez Perce tribe along with the Confederated tribes and bands of the Yakima Nation, the Confederated tribes of the Umatilla Indian Reservation, and the Confederated Tribes of the Warm Springs Reservation, along with the states of Washington and Oregon. What did it mean for all of these sovereign nations and these two states to work together with the federal government? Well, I think it's just a you know the understanding that we uh, need to do something now, and that status quo uh, hasn't been cutting it, and you know. Uh, there's things that we can do, things that we can change and should change and and will change that uh, will ensure that uh, these species uh, continue to exist on this planet and in these waters that uh, we all call home here in the Columbia River Basin. And I think uh, as we look at those things together and we understand that, you know, by coming to the table, uh, uh, that's where problems are solved. And I think uh, that's that's truly what uh, uh, the sovereigns understand about uh, moving forward is that uh, there needs to be some commitments uh, from the federal government and as well as ourselves, because, you know, it's not only, uh, you know, the federal government uh, committed to the United or to the tribes, but we're also committed to the United States of America and, and through several different treaties that we have and several actions that we have taken as, as tribal nations to ensure that uh, those things and those obligations and, and that uh, mutual agreement and mutual benefits uh, for all uh, still remain uh, in effect. What do you see as the most important parts of this agreement in terms of what the federal government says it will do? Well, I think it it shows uh, a path forward to um, you know keeping the keeping the Pacific Northwest uh, whole and and looking at all the different entities and stakeholders and and being able to uh, you know ask them to do something different other than status quo to move forward to to embrace uh new technologies or renewable energies and and uh, make the change you know we have to we have to develop a will for that and if we're unable to develop that will then you know that's where we get resistance from for change and but change needs to happen because of the uh the demise of the salmon that have happened over the last 50 years and as we continue to to see them uh, continue to traject on a on a, a path towards extinction, and I think you know understanding treaty and understanding that that's locked in our treaty that that is one of our um, uh, um, 
rights that we have. The federal government understands that uh, that right and their obligation to that. So as as we continue to move forward, I think you know working together uh, um, and understanding that change can happen. I mean, the MOU was signed by Bonneville Power Administration, by the Department of Interior, by NOAA by the Army Corps of Engineers. I mean, all of the different federal agencies have signed on to this agreement in order to move things forward and to give uh, give the salmon a chance. The language of this agreement um, says that the Biden administration is committing to do many things, to, to fund restoration efforts, to, to fund tribal clean energy initiatives, but they're not guaranteeing that they'll do anything. We're not yet talking about actual outlays of money. We're not at all talking about congressional authorization of funds. How much confidence do you have that the Biden administration can can do and will do what it says it plans to do? Well, as a sovereign uh, to another sovereign and a fellow executor of the rule of law, we feel that, you know, their obligation to that and their understanding to that is something that they will uphold because we know the world is watching. We know the rest of the world is is watching what's happening here in the Pacific Northwest. And we understand that, uh, you know, uh, them moving forward uh, with the opportunities that present themselves with uh, uh, advancing the Pacific Northwest into a better place, uh, they see that as well. And they, they take in the, the gross domestic product into consideration. They take into consideration the energy needs of the Pacific Northwest and and the irrigation needs for the agriculture community. Those things are all, uh, you know, being looked at. They're they're you know looking at uh, Governor Inslee and Senator Murray's report and and what they were asking in that report. Uh, what would need to be done for uh, them to consider uh, moving something forward uh, that would even resemble a, a, a debate on the Hill for uh, breaching of the four lower Snake River dams. And and I think. You know, when you put those things in place, that you're giving the salmon a chance, and you're giving the opportunity uh, for legislators and uh, across the nation, across the nation, to make an informed decision based on facts and information that are true and, and relevant to uh, the uh, uh, life of the salmon. So you're not worried that a presidential administration with with one year left in its current term, that it's making a promise based on a 10-year time horizon. I think it. I think it just shows our, you know, the commitment that uh, you know an administration is willing to uh, move uh, this forward to this point, and and obviously uh, that's something new that we haven't seen over the course of time. We know we know what a judge can do. We know a judge can order spill and a high spill, and and you know we understand that the climate crisis is where it's at. We understand that the water situations in the mountain range in the region are changing. We see the climate models uh, over the next uh, 100 years and, and what that's going to do to the system and how that's going to change the flow of the rivers that, you know, will we'll, we'll come into play at some point in time. And so, uh, you know, with, with one year uh, remaining in this administration, I think they're, they're showing their commitment to, 
to the to the rule of law. And I think that's what's truly important for us is that we have an administration that's willing to sit and understand that they've been obligated to this for quite some time since 1855. And 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 so we as the Nespers uh, tribe uh, look to uh, resolve the issues that we face. And, and if I could add uh, to that, you know, we look at our relationship as an obverse relationship. And if you can look at obverse as a, from a coin, you know, there's two sides to a coin, one side being uh, of that coin being the United States, the other side being uh, the Nespers tribe and, and minted of the same for under mutual agreement for mutual benefit. And so what one side does should not burden the other side. And if that's the case, then it's up to the opposite side or the obverse side to say, hey, what you're doing over there is killing our fish. And so we need to make a change. You, you know, we're here to solve the problems. We're not the we're not the enemy here. We're here to solve as a sovereign to sovereign. We're going to be talking in, in just a minute or two with Kurt Miller, the executive director of the Northwest Public Power Association. In a recent letter to Energy Secretary Jennifer Granholm, he wrote, "It is inexplicable that the negotiations between the U.S. government and the six sovereigns completely excluded the utilities that are responsible for providing a critical service." to millions of customers. I want to give you a chance to respond to that. Well, I think, you know, uh, the Department of Energy and Bonneville Power Administration, who pretty much supply uh, the power to the Pacific Northwest, along with, the, you know, other power producers, you know, are there at the table. And, you know, the interest of, of those parties are, are, you know, I think are represented, uh, represented in that in that case where they're looking at, uh, um, you know, yeah, can can we make changes? I think we can. Uh, are there opportunities? Yes, there are opportunities. Uh, do we need to do we need to look into those opportunities and see if this will fit the portfolio that's needed? Uh, um, to replace the energy that the four lower snake river dams actually produce because you know there's questions about that but and then the long-term uh commitments of of the energy needs and so those are two separate topics there and and, and you know we definitely uh, want to keep those two topics apart from one another uh, because one is actually affecting something that uh, is promised in our treaty and the other is something that uh, we as an Esper's tribe know that the Pacific Northwest needs. So we're, we're just looking for uh, those commitments uh, to be uh, thoroughly looked at and understood and, and know that we can make the necessary changes now so that the uh, fish do not go extinct on, on our watch. Chairman Wheeler, thanks very much. Thank you. Shannon Wheeler is the Nez Perce Tribal Chairman. If you're just tuning in, we've been talking with uh, talking about the recent federal agreement with four Northwest tribes and the states of Washington and Oregon. For another perspective on this agreement, I am joined now by Kurt Miller. He is the executive director of the Northwest Public Power Association. It's made up of over 150 consumer-owned electric utilities in the western U.S. and British Columbia. Kurt Miller, welcome. Hey, thanks so much. I really appreciate the chance to be here. So I want to start with your accusation to the federal government that you were improperly excluded from this agreement. What's your argument? Yeah, well, so um, that's a great question. So I, uh, until recently, I was the head of Northwest River Partners, which 
uh, represents many of the same uh, community-owned utilities that NWPPA represents. And uh, we're, uh, at that organization, a hydropower advocacy group. We had standing in the case uh, that led to the negotiations that you and Chair Wheeler were talking about. And we were invited by the U.S. government to participate in negotiations. But um, the Council for Environmental Quality, who was essentially leading the negotiations, chose to leave, uh, leave us out entirely. Um, and the four and a half million customers that we represent, utility customers, from the negotiations. We were not allowed to participate, even though we had standing in court. Um, so we were invited to participate, but then when they actually started negotiating, they didn't allow us to participate. And I, I'd go back to Chair Chairman Wheeler's quote. He said um, that uh, if everyone can come to the table, that's when this, you know, that's when new solutions can become uh, can be made or achieved. And we weren't uh, we weren't afforded that opportunity, and um, and I think that's really disturbing because any changes to the Lower Snake River dams will tremendously impact um, electricity customers across the entire region. Well, we'll get to the the possibility of what you see as changes to the Lower Snake River dams in just a second, because to me that 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 remains to me a, a huge question. But, but yeah, but what would you have pushed for? if you had been at the table, and, and how would you have wanted the ultimate agreement to be different? Gosh, that's a really thoughtful question. And I didn't know that you were gonna uh, have access to the letter that we sent, which I'm, I'm glad you did. So uh, the you whole guys. world has access to that letter. It's it's on the internet. <laughs> yeah, no, thank you. I, I appreciate you. Uh, I appreciate you doing the homework, I guess is <laughs> okay. what I was gonna say. So, uh, no, that was great. And I think that um, so how would we have liked to seen it different? We we believe, I think I speak on behalf of really the entire um, public power community, utilities that are owned and operated by customers essentially across the West, is that uh, there are a lot of things that, um, that the Bonneville Power Administration or other, or the Department of Energy, they just, they don't represent our members' perspectives, right? They, they We respect those organizations, they're great, but they're not the ones who are responsible for actually serving the end customer, and that's the expertise we bring. Um, so, a perspective that we would have we would have definitely advocated for was to um, make sure that let let's say what's currently in there, the agreement calls for uh, building tribal wind and solar power projects and counting that as replacement energy. It's in quotes, um, replacement energy for the Lower Snake River dams. Well, uh, you could talk even if you talk to the Department of Energy, they will tell you that wind and solar power really aren't a suitable replacement for hydropower because those other resources, they are intermittent. They're not always available. Uh, you know, they're very short-term weather dependent, whereas hydropower, you can store water behind a dam and then release it to generate electricity so it's available on demand. So things like that that were included in the agreement that really should have never been included in the agreement, we believe threaten, potentially threaten, the uh, future grid uh, reliability for the Pacific Northwest. Uh, the other thing is, there, uh, and, we, and we, we really worked hard on this once we actually got to see the memorandum of understanding is we asked for there specifically to be put in there a um, not to exceed clause in terms of cost that could come back to local communities because it, uh, BPA is not funded by the federal government. It's funded by utilities that I represent uh, and their customers, and that money goes uh, through rates to pay the Bonneville Power Administration. So if BPA ends up having to pay billions of dollars 
and cost to um, to fulfill the terms of this memorandum of understanding that doesn't go to taxpayers in the U.S. That actually falls on um, local communities and their customers. To, to go back to the, to the first point you were making, though, isn't it the case that there will be plenty of opportunity for your association and and anybody in this country with with power and influence and the ability to to talk to lawmakers, plenty of chances for you to weigh in well before the dams are actually breached. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I hope so. Uh, this, uh, I will tell you that, that this process makes me question that because we were supposed to be able to weigh in this time and we were denied that voice. So I think you could see where then I might not trust government processes as much going forward because this was just, this really was not a fair process. Uh, we we deserve, we had a, uh, a right to participate and that right was ignored. So uh, the other thing that we're really talking about, and, and I have a lot of respect for Chairman Wheeler, by the way, we've, we've uh, been on kind of debate panels together and I think he's incredibly well-spoken and a really thoughtful person. And I respect their worldview. Uh, I totally do. It does. Our worldviews don't necessarily perfectly align, but I have a lot of respect for it. But what I will, you know, what I'll say here is that, uh, you know, when, you know, I know that I know that Chair Wheeler would not have been comfortable having some other organization speak for them in those negotiations. And I think he would understand why I wouldn't be comfortable having the Bonneville Power Administration or the Department of Energy speaking for our members. So I, I just think that we had that right. And so, yeah, will we have opportunities going forward to, um, to participate in those discussions? I hope so. But one of the things that you actually have to read in the in the memorandum of understanding, and I think you did, was that we uh, are not guaranteed to be participants in many of the conversations now that the six sovereigns are going to be having with BPA. So uh, again, it was almost written into it that we're excluded in these conversations going forward. So that's a big concern that you've identified is, will we really have that opportunity? I hope we do. Well, I, I was also thinking more about lobbying in Congress because in in the end, isn't that where this is going to come down to, whether or not they authorize the breaching of the dams? Yeah, no, I absolutely. I think everybody is in it. I mean, almost everybody. No one agrees about everything. <laughs> but I think that most people do agree that this uh, uh, and, and the Biden administration has been very clear that this decision does come down to uh, this decision does come down to Congress. But the thing that you have to understand as well is that uh, this is uh, kind of a long-term battle, and the and there's you know there will be more political pressure applied to Congress as a result of this agreement. And so, in some cases, uh, it makes it harder for us to defend the things that we would typically defend because you know this is kind of moving the bar a little bit. So, if you think about that in the in this in, in this context, it's uh, it's not so much will we have an opportunity to express our concerns, but it's really giving up some ground that we really. Uh, don't want to give up in terms of progress towards dam breaching because we don't think it's in the interest of the community. While you're on the line, I, I did want to ask you about another federal initiative. In May, the Biden administration announced that it was making 
almost $10 billion available for rural electric cooperatives to do things like put in renewable energy or zero emission or carbon capture systems. They say it was, or it, it is, the single largest investment in rural electrification since the New Deal in the 1930s. And if I'm not mistaken, many of the entities that make up your association, they are rural electrification. Oh, yes. I mean, this, this is, these are your members. Will your yes. members be able to take advantage of this? Yeah, no, thank you. That's, that's a great question. Um, so I think, you know, the um, $10 billion does sound like a lot of money, and it is a lot of money. But if, you know, there are literally thousands of uh, rural electric co-ops in the United States. And so the the challenge is there will still be a lot of competition for dollars. There are certain specific qualifications required. Uh, and um, and so there there is there is an opportunity here, but uh, but whether or not my individual members could actually benefit will really depend on um, in, on specific circumstances. So yeah, I, I think that anything the Biden administration can do to help those utilities is very welcome, but it, it isn't necessarily an answer for this particular issue. Kurt Miller, thanks very much. I look forward to talking again. Hey, thank you so much. I really appreciate uh, the time and your research. Kurt Miller is the executive director of the Northwest Public Power Association.